Live from Lisbon, this is The Twilight Show with Lucy Newberger. Good evening, everybody. You are back with me. It's Tuesday, it's The Twilight Show. And this evening, we are talking about teachers with ADHD. Live from Lisbon, this is The Twilight Show with Lucy Newberger on Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live at ttradio.org or to join in the conversation, download the Podbean app and search Teachers Talk Radio. Follow the hashtag TT Radio. Tune in, talk it out with Teachers Talk Radio. Good evening, everybody. It's lovely to be back. I think I, yeah, I wasn't here last week, was I? No. So I am now back with you, which is very exciting. And this evening's topic is actually one that I didn't think I'd ever end up really talking about. It wasn't really on my radar, but we will come back to that shortly. Um, it's, yeah, it's it's been a, a bizarre few weeks, but we will we will come back to that in a moment. But uh, as is tradition, before we launch into this evening's proceedings, uh, it is customary on this show that we reflect on the week, or in this case, the last two weeks, and see what's been happening. So um, most of you, if not all of you, are on the countdown to the end of term. I know I am. And it's at the point in the term where it's all just a bit bananas, isn't it? I mean, it's all over the place. I don't know uh, about about you, but my children, my class, seem to be absolutely up the walls. The excitement has set in. They're ready. Like they're 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 good to go. They they're they're trying to come into school wearing all sorts of Christmas paraphernalia. And I almost feel mean saying to them, "Oh, I'm afraid you can't wear that in class at the moment." Uh, you know, we can't have uh, jingly antlers and things like that just yet. We've sort of said, OK, for the last week of term. But at the moment, because we're trying to get through the uh, final few assessments and all the rest of it, it's just that bit too distracting. But I feel terrible. I mean, as much as I am a bit of a Grinch, there is part of me that thinks, oh, you know, they're kids. Can we just, you know, let them have it? But then I feel if we unleashed or open the floodgates as it's as it were that we just have them in i mean probably covered in tinsel and uh and antlers and goodness knows what else we'd never we'd never get anything done so i've said to them next week jump christmas jumpers uh whatever you like because i think the last week of term really what else are you going to achieve at that point? I mean, anyone who thinks that they're going to be doing normal work and getting anything productive done is really just kidding themselves aren't they i mean let's let's be realistic uh after particularly after this year where it's been you know in and out of lockdown it's been all over the place in terms of schools um you know in terms of, of children's education i think that the last week of this term really we, we we can let them have have a bit of fun i i don't think that's that's beyond us as as teachers um but uh yes mine are proving very difficult difficult to contain at the moment but uh and if you're experiencing the same thing please do let me know please don't let me feel alone suffering inside i say i'm suffering i'm not suffering at all but it is a little bit like 
um, peeling monkeys off the ceiling at the moment. But, you know, not long to go. I think we can hang in there until the end now. Uh, what else is going on? Um, at the moment, I am planning to head back from Lisbon to the UK for the holidays. Fingers crossed that I can still pull that off. We're all getting a little bit twitchy. Uh, those of us who are from the UK at my school, we're sort of getting a little bit uh, worried about it. And uh, we have been told to be mindful about our, our travel plans, which is which is fair enough. Of course, the, the difficulty we have is that, and certainly for all international teachers, and I know that there are some of you who listen in and some of you who've worked internationally in the past, there is that, that risk at the moment that if you do go home and things do go pear-shaped, then uh, what do you do? I mean, the, the, the upshot that I have is that uh, as far as I'm aware, I believe I can I, I could always fly back to to Portugal because this is you know my place of work and where my job is. So I think I, I would be all right. But then given the the revelation that uh, Boris and Co were larging it up at number 10, uh, last Christmas, and whilst we were all told that we absolutely could not uh, large it up in any way ourselves, I think if he was to then turn around and say, actually, do you know what, uh, I fancy another lockdown, I think there would be absolute mutiny. I think there'd be rioting, I, I, I truly do. So, I mean, I at, at the moment, I do believe I am going home for a little bit at least. I have actually shortened the trip Originally, I was going to go for a bit longer, but I've decided that it's it's not worth uh, the 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 possibility of of getting stuck in the in the new year and uh, you know facing a potential lockdown. So uh, heading back until the thirtieth, and then I'll be back for for New Year in Portugal, which will be lovely. I hope. Well, again, depends on everything here as well. At the moment, Portugal seems to be relatively contained in terms of, of COVID cases, but uh, never say never. We thought it was all going to be all right last Christmas and well, we all know how that turned out. Um, and actually the, the decision uh, from the Portuguese government in terms of the first week back at school, we've already been told that that first week back we're going to be online teaching, uh, of course, to, to a mixed response. Uh, they they were toing and froing for a while, and it was sort of wondering whether the government were going to say, right, okay, extra holiday for everybody, or no, actually, we're just going to do a kind of almost like a bit of a circuit breaker with everybody at home, and then uh, we go we go from there and and see what what happens. So at the moment, not only are we trying to get to the end of term, we're also scrabbling around trying to make sure we're all set for that first week back. Um, the irony being that half our children probably aren't going to show up because they will still be on holiday somewhere else. But I, I live in hope. And uh, my partner teacher and I have spent a long time putting things together that we hope will kind of get them back on board um, and excite them for, uh, well, for the for the rest of for the rest of the year. Um, what else? What else? Let's have a break from from school chat. Um, oh, I've been cooking a lot at the moment as as well. I mean, you know me, food obsessed, food obsessed, always talking about food and and what my next meal is is going to be. And of course, at this time of year, and yes, even in Portugal, I know I I know I uh, I, I bang on about the weather an awful lot, but actually, it is. I mean, for Portugal, it is it is chilly, certainly in, in the mornings and uh, in the evenings. Uh, it's and when that wind picks up, it is quite, quite, quite chilly. 
So I've been cooking food that the kind of food that I really want to stick to my ribs a bit, you know, the 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 sort of heartier, heartier grub. So there's been a lot of soups. Uh, there's been some cauliflower cheese in there. I cooked that for some, for some friends as part of a, a gathering that we had. And uh, just really kind of hearty, hearty, hearty food. Uh, I also made some fantastic uh, Greek beans the other night, which my dear best friend who always contributes to this uh, to this show uh, has been trying to get me to pronounce properly the Greek name and she's probably listening to me now cringing and I'm not even I'm sorry Eleni I'm not even going to try and pronounce it correctly you'll have to come on here one day and tell me how to uh, say Greek beans in Greek correctly because I am not going to embarrass myself or you and speaking of my dear friend Eleni as uh, loyal to the show as always she has messaged me already prior to the show to tell me she is having mushroom risotto for dinner so thank you for letting me know and as always if you would like to let me know what you are having for dinner please tell me uh <laughs> tom's just messaged me to say send me your food well uh i would if i could tom I, I i would share if you were if you were closer by but uh you haven't revealed what you're having for dinner so uh do let me know uh if you would like to <laughs> i'm actually cheating tonight i'm being really naughty um i've got after this i'm going to uh, a small, a small gathering of friends. I should, I should hasten to add. And we are doing a Christmas quiz and some food, which will be uh, lovely. But we're not making the food. We've decided to order in because we have done a lot of kind of cooking for each other and bits and pieces recently. Uh, so we decided that it was going to be a takeaway night. Uh, so I do not feel guilty at all. I have to say. But yes, please do share any food you have uh, wanted, any food you've been eating, any dinner inspiration, always, always want to know, and any kind of hearty recipes you have tried and that have worked well for you. Um, oh, as always, I actually, every time I put this section in my show, I always feel terrible because I kind of think, I, I intend to listen to a lot of my other Teacher Talks radios show hosts because there's so many good shows i should say this there are so many good shows kicking around and please 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 do check them out if you're a regular listener to me do go and listen to some of the other shows because honestly the the content and i'm not just saying this because i'm a host some of oh, i say some of all of the content is brilliant and there is something for everyone the we talk about everything we can think of linked to education teaching if you can think about it, someone has either done a show on it already or is thinking about doing it. Um, so please, please, please do check check out other hosts either on Podbean or your preferred podcast platform. Because although these shows do go out live, we also, every single one also gets turned into a podcast at well, as well for you to listen to at your leisure. So no excuse really. Go forth. It is our gift to you. Merry Christmas and all of that. And uh, we hopefully will continue to provide all sorts of lovely content for you going into the new year as well. So the one show I definitely do have my eye on to catch up with is actually Tabitha's show from yesterday, all about uh, things to do with outdoor learning. And from, from the comments that I've seen and the feedback, it looks like it was, or sounds like it was a really, really good show and uh, that uh, it's definitely going to be one worth catching up with. So that's on my to listen to list for, well, for whenever I get round to it, really, which uh, I couldn't possibly tell you when that is, because that would imply that I've actually organised myself 
this week, which I have not. <laughs> so that's that's the week, and that's uh, what what's been going on. Um, I think we should probably move on to this evening's uh, this evening's show. And uh, as always, as is tradition with most, if not all, of my shows, there is a story attached to this. So this evening we are talking about ADHD. Uh, for those of you who don't know, but I'm sure you will do, that stands for Attention Deficit Hyperactivity Disorder. Okay, and this recently became a subject very close to my heart as I was diagnosed with it a couple of weeks ago. And uh, as a 32-year-old woman sitting in front of a, a psychiatrist who diagnosed me, to, to, to learn that everything you've been through in life and everything you'd experienced actually you know, almost made sense for me. It, it was, I can't even really put into words how I felt when, when this happened. It was, I felt, I suppose I felt vindicated in a way because I went into the doctor, I explained, uh, I explained why I felt like I was someone who, who maybe certainly at least had ADHD tendencies because I know that uh, a lot of people joke about they say oh you know my ADHD kicked in halfway through that staff meeting because I was uh, uh, so excuse me one second sorry there was just someone in, in the studio who needed to to be removed I apologize for that uh, so sorry where was I there um yeah, so sitting there in front of the doctor, I explained to him my my life story, kind of why I felt I, I uh, was possibly someone who had ADHD tendencies. And he listened very intently and he asked me questions. And instead of just sticking a questionnaire in front of me, as I know is is, is common, um, certainly with ADHD diagnosis in the U in the UK as as well, um, he really gave me the time to to talk about well everything which is which was lovely and then he he sat there and he said you know what I think you are someone who who does have these tendencies and I certainly think this is something we need to explore more and to hear that was yeah was was such a result for me um I know that uh certainly some of the adults I've spoken to um and some of the research I've done, some people don't, some adults, and particularly women, and this will become more apparent as we discuss this evening, because it seems to be, certainly from my research, that it's women who are now being diagnosed as adults. And there seem to be sort of two kind of distinct camps from what I can tell. The people like me who feel, oh my gosh, you know, vindicated, okay, these parts of my life now make sense the the not being able to to focus in school the 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 ability to i say the ability to the tendency rather to really want to do certain things and really have all these ideas going around in my head but actually getting them off the ground and getting going uh is 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 a very difficult thing all these things uh even from uh my academic career so i really struggled with my a levels i didn't didn't enjoy them they weren't great and i you know i, I scraped through and at the time it was when universities uh gave you a little bit of the benefit of the doubt if that was me applying now i don't think it would have gone uh, as well but then i got to university and uh, my undergraduate degree i absolutely loved 
absolutely loved it. And to the point where it almost became an obsession. Well, it did. It did become an obsession. I didn't uh, I didn't miss a lecture in in three years. And I ended up doing very, very well and coming out with the first class honours. And then it went pear-shaped again when I did my master's because uh, I did it in criminal justice and it didn't interest me. It just wasn't wasn't something I wanted to focus on. So I didn't really and you know the, if I kind of if I look at my life that's really the, the the pattern that's gone on for for years and years and years and uh just looking at the research and of course uh, I will really try and remember to put these in my show notes this evening uh, all these bits and pieces that I've looked at but this whole idea of of people being I say idea this whole uh, thing about women certainly being diagnosed in in adult life is is only really becoming apparent because it's only really just starting to be recognized that actually ADHD is both a female uh, disorder and a male disorder for so many years we've associated it with uh, and I'm going to kind of put this in air quotes naughty boys in school it's kind of oh well you know he must have ADHD because he can't sit and concentrate in class and that's been that's been the the idea for years and years, but it's now becoming apparent, uh, and certainly from articles that I've read, uh, one particular from Attitude, which is actually a online kind of magazine that's totally devoted to to women with ADHD. So that was a glorious find for me, and it's and it says uh, in in an article titled "ADHD Looks Different in Women: Here's How and Why" that we're as likely as men to have ADHD. Uh, and it can cause even greater emotional turmoil. And the reason that is, is because we as women, and this is not a kind of, you know, men versus women, I don't want to turn this this show and this conversation into that. But we as women learn to mask certain behaviours, we learn to, we learn to manage, we're very, very good at that. And particularly, uh, those of us who, well, those of us who are teachers, you you learn to cope, and you learn to manage, and you almost teach yourself strategies. Uh, and, and in a way, it will work for a while. Uh, but I think in some, in some cases, it almost exacerbates uh, that imposter syndrome that often comes with ADHD as well. The idea that, you know, I'm going to get found out, people are going to know I'm faking it. And again, when I received my diagnosis, for me, it was knowing that actually there are other people out there as well who go through this day to day too. And I think it's so important that we're also bringing this to the forefront now, particularly because there are, and I didn't realise this, there are so many of us out there going through this. And I hope, if nothing else, that this show this evening allows for uh, any of you out there who might think that you have ADHD or uh, might be experiencing something else. And there are other, obviously, of course, I mean, this show is going to focus on ADHD, but there are other uh, neurodivergencies that that exist. And you'll hear, again, you'll hear me use this, use this term this evening. And neurodivergency, all that is, is somebody who, in the kind of most broad and basic terms, is just wired a little bit differently. We're not broken. We're not ineffective. We're not, there's nothing wrong with us. We just operate a bit differently. So for example, those of us with ADHD, it's attention, it's focus, it's things like that. 
for those of us with dyslexia. Um, I, I'm I'm not someone who has dyslexia, but for those who do, you know, struggling with with reading and writing. For those who are dyspraxic, it's often you know motor skills and things like that. It doesn't mean that we can't do the things that everybody else does. It just means we need to operate a little bit differently. And I think if nothing else, the the takeaway from this show this evening should be hopefully assisting with the understanding of that and hopefully just showing that actually you know just because you are diagnosed with something for many and uh for me as well it's it's really just the the beginning of something so i hope that i can make others feel like that too so what we're going to do now is i'm going to uh, go to the news and some adverts. And when we come back, uh, I'm hoping that my guest, Sarah, who I've been chatting to uh, a little bit this week, is going to join us. And she's going to share her experiences. And I hope that throughout our chat, you can listen in and please do chime in, ask questions. We are we are here to, to have a conversation, but also to hear from you as well. This is very much a, an inclusive and uh, everybody join in. And uh, yeah, so hopefully... Um, she will be able to call in after this short break. This is Teachers Talk Radio, and this is Teachers Talk Radio News with Gail Glenn. The Children's Commissioner, Dean Rachel D'Souza, has warned the Prime Minister not to close schools in response to the Omicron variant, despite cases in the UK reaching 160. Speaking on the Andrew Marr show, she said, Lockdown was a terrible time for the whole nation. It's also why I think we must not close schools again. We must not. I would urge the Prime Minister not to close schools. The children want things back to normal. They took a huge hit for us. We must not close schools again. And my head teacher colleagues across the country are incredibly good at managing this situation. I watched them rush to support the most vulnerable. And I would definitely advise not to do this if there is any other option. 280,000 children were recorded absent from school on November the 25th. 2.6% of all pupils in England. Wrexham Council have supported young leaders in a project called Healthy Minds Haven, which is designed to improve mental well-being in school communities. There will be an event on the 15th of December to which senior leadership teams will be invited, when they will learn how their school can become a healthy minds haven. Interim Clinical Service Manager from North Wales CAMS, School Inreach Service, Sophie Gorst, will speak about why she is supporting the campaign aim to improve mental health support for young people in schools. This has been your daily education news briefing. Need support with your phonics teaching? Did you know Oxford University Press now has three DfE validated programmes to help you? Read Write Ink Phonics, Floppies Phonics, and the brand new Essential Letters and Sounds. 
Essential letters and sounds will get all your children reading well, quickly, using phonics books you may already have in your classroom. Developed by the Knowledge Schools Trust English Hub, it's affordable, easy to use and makes teaching phonics with letters and sounds more effective. Whatever your school's phonics needs, Oxford has the solution. To find out more and receive support from your expert local educational consultant, visit oxfordprimary.com forward slash phonics. Good evening. You are back with me, Lucy Newberger, and this is Tuesday's Twilight Show. So in a moment, I'm going to bring my guest, Sarah, on. But before I do, I just want to kind of briefly explain how, how this chat's going to go. Um, because I want to understand a little bit more about how, in a job like teaching, someone with ADHD can, can function. I want to, I, I know it's possible because I, I've been doing it, how well, well, maybe ask my head teacher, but, uh, you know, I, I know that we, that we can do this. But I also want to, to talk about, um, you know, how open we should be about our diagnoses, whether we should be uh, telling our head teachers, whether should we should be telling our students, I don't know. So we will be definitely discussing that and seeing, well, seeing what, seeing what my guest Sarah's thoughts are and seeing what maybe your thoughts are as well. And I think especially as well, I know I said I wasn't going to make this about kind of men versus women, but there is going to be a kind of female focus on this, particularly as this is certainly from a, from a female point of view, this is kind of a recent thing where, where as I said to you before, uh, a lot of adult women are now being diagnosed, some as late. I mean, I've found articles where women in their 60s are, are being diagnosed uh, as well. So let's get on board and see what happens. So I'm going to bring Sarah on now and I hope she can hear me. Sarah, are you there? I am there. Can you hear me? I can loud and clear. Welcome to Teachers Talk Radio. Welcome to the Twilight Show. How are you doing? Um, I'm very well, thank you. How, how are you? It's a bit stressful trying to get on, but like when my <laughs> brain's trying to do 25 things at the same time, it just doesn't go well. <laughs> yes, I have a feeling this is going to be a running theme of our of our conversation. But you made it, and uh, I'm, I'm really—you're not the first person who's had issues getting getting into our studio. It does happen from time to time, so please do not worry. You're here, and it's wonderful to have you. Thank so, you. Um, as a jumping off point, and I ask everybody this, I ask all my guests this, um, just uh, can you introduce yourself, uh, your role in education, sort of as much information as you'd like to give and kind of yeah, where you are in your teaching career at the moment? Uh, well, I'm currently a teacher of geography at a school in Cambridgeshire. I'm in my 11th year um, of teaching. Um, I was previously a head of department, but uh, for various reasons, I've moved away from that now or moved, should I say, taken a step away. Um, not that I won't return. It's just for various reasons. I need a bit of a refocus and I'll, I'll go into that in a little bit. Um, but yeah, that's where I'm at. Oh, fantastic. So uh, your secondary, did you say? Yes. Yes, I am. Yeah. 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 Because I, I was going to say, because we did chat before and, you know, I, uh, in, in true kind of, I suppose, ADHD fashion, I was like, no, I, I definitely did have that conversation. It, it did happen. <laughs> definitely did. Um, so I also um, want you to, and again, please, and, and I said this to you before, uh, reveal as much or as, as little detail as, as you wish to. Um, how did you come to discover that you had ADHD? I mean, I've, I've shared my story, which is obviously fairly recent, but uh, I'm just interested to know how you discovered that, uh, that this was part of you. 
Uh, it was something that came about through a bout of counselling. Um, so in the last couple of years, I, my, I lost my mum. Um, and so I went through various sort of counselling. And very recently, one of the counsellors that I spoke with um, identified me as ADHD. Um, and that's what led to my diagnosis. Um, and I've always had, you know, it in the back of my mind. Um, but like you said earlier, it's always been classed as a, as a naughty, quote, naughty boy syndrome. And it wasn't something that I ever considered. Um, but, you know, having discussed it with my counsellors and with my GP, it's definitely something that kind of makes sense to me now. Um, you know, having spoken with, you know, my parents, you know, my school life, them saying things like you've you've got so much potential, but you could never, you know, realise it. Um, and the reasons that I gave to them is just I can't get into anything. Nothing seems to focus me. And the only thing that really did was geography, hence why that's the subject I, you know, have a passion for and continued for. Um, and throughout my life, you know, I'm looking back on things like you say, your school-wise came out with OK grades and A-levels came out with OK grades. But I never found something that truly ignited my passion apart from my top, my subject. And it made me feel really marginalised growing up because I could never get my brain to wire what I would be the, think is the correct way. Um, I could never get into anything. I could never, I mean, even now, my my organisation is appalling um, and I just feel like writing to-do lists uh, makes things worse um, because I write loads of things down, um, you know, for thing for work life and at home life and you know, and when I was doing this before my, uh, before being identified as ADHD, it made me feel a bit of a failure, like I couldn't seem to do anything. Um, you know, but since, you know, I've been identified as an adult, it kind of makes me feel like you said, very vindicated in that, you know, it is, it, it's something that, you know, I have no control over, but it's something that I can, you know, work with and find strategies to help my, you know, help myself with. Um, but yeah, it was it was only relatively recently in the last year or so that that's been something I've been identified as. And it's good that you uh, feel that it, it that it is a positive thing because I know that for for a lot of people it's kind of well why wasn't this addressed sooner why is it that I've had to wait until I'm in my thirties forties etc to be like this and I've tried to explore why I think it is that that women are, are now being diagnosed later and I I don't know if you have any thoughts on this but uh, my thinking is maybe is be, is because of this outdated notion about the fact that it's 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 a it's a, a boy thing so I don't know what if you have any anything you'd like to share on that uh, absolutely I think any sort of of the neurodivergent side of things so particularly with ADHD and ASD um, I have found that you know when you're looking at research about symptoms and early diagnoses um, most of the studies in the past were done with male patients and so a lot of the, the symptoms and signs are given based on evidence from male patients. So, and, and the way that, that women present with conditions like ASD and ADHD is very different to how male, I mean, I'm not an expert by any means, but just from what I've read and what, you know, I've spoken to people, you know, in SEND and things like that, um, the things that you're looking out for are symptoms in boys. Um, and so I find that a lot of uh, females and girls go through their lives not getting diagnosed because it's not something they don't present with symptoms that, you know, are on a list of symptoms for ADHD. 
Um, and it isn't until, so I was diagnosed with anxiety and I was finding it very difficult to, to find ways of coping. And that's when the conversations of ADHD come up. Um, and I've subsequently discovered through speaking with um, my sort of health and well-being counsellor that that is a very common uh, pre uh, presentation of ADHD is extreme anxiety because obviously you can't seem to get yourself organised um, and everything feels so overwhelming and obviously that then leads to anxiety. Um, but I do think it is the in in the early years that the, the focus has been on males and male symptoms and then women and girls get overlooked and as well I think there's still and I remember my my doctor who actually is a is a male doctor he he sort of said to me there's still this idea in some cases and I think a lot less now but there's still this idea that um oh you know women women can't have that you're just uh yeah you're just anxious or you're just maybe a little bit depressed or dare I say it hormonal or even just and he even said to me he's even heard cases where women have been called a little bit hysterical and I didn't think that was I thought that would you know died with Freud but uh it it's extraordinary to me how you know there's still almost this kind of oh you know uh this can't be a thing for you. you. You're just anxious. You're just a little bit worried. You're just a, uh, this, that, and the other. And there seems to be, and certainly from um, a BBC article I read, I've got it in front of me here, and it's why so many women wait decades for an ADHD diagnosis. And they talk about this gender bias when it comes to actually helping women and addressing the root cause or the root issue um rather than just sort of saying actually you know you know they're not they're not diving into it instead they're just sort of you know fobbing you off with anti-anxiety medication or an anxiety diagnosis when actually that's as you say just a just manifests as part of a, a much bigger thing yeah absolutely and I and I like I say my anxiety diagnosis came first um, and I, I kept telling, you know, when I was talking, going for reviews and my medication reviews and things and, and saying to them that I can't seem to find a strategy that works for me. I don't seem to have the attention to or the willpower to be able to keep going with things. So I would start and stop lots of different, quote, projects. And, you know, I would be told by my GP, oh, start exercising. I thought, oh, great, I'll start running. And I did it for a couple of months. And then I stopped because I lost interest um, or I'd be uh, be told to you know change my diet which I do but then two months later I'd lose interest and then I was speaking to my my dad and he said you were like that when you were growing up you could never stick to anything we would take you to do extracurricular things so horse riding and badminton and all that and I'd do it for a while and then I'd get bored um, and, you know, I was hearing that and I'm thinking, hmm, so this is something that I've been like my entire life, um, you know, and it's it's not necessarily a, a terrible thing. And then I was talking to my GP about it and he was like, hmm, this, this sounds like it's a little bit more than anxiety. Um, so it's it, like I say, it's just it, it's come off the back of an anxiety diagnosis. But I've often I, having spoken about ADHD, I wondered whether the ADHD obviously came first and the anxiety is just a symptom of ADHD, not the other way around. Oh, absolutely. And I think that this misdiagnosis is is incredibly common. And instead of actually exploring more what what these women are going through and it sounds like you had a very sympathetic and empathetic gp who clearly was was listening and actually wanted to to help you get to the root cause and you know 
there are many, many wonderful doctors, GPs, everything out there. And that's not to say that they're, you know, that they are just fobbing people off. But I think a lot, a lot of the time there are these, these particularly women coming in and it is, it's almost kind of easy to say, you know, it's anxiety, it's depression, it's this, it's that, just to kind of, you know, be able to send them away, be able to kind of get through, get through the workload. So I don't necessarily feel it's, it's more a, uh, sort of doctors being being lazy or anything like that and again I think I mean I I didn't struggle to find research but it's still research that's very much to me in its in its infancy when it when it comes to women so maybe that's why it hasn't really trickled down yet and why it's only now that we're that we're talking about this yeah and I do think as as well like for for us you know for for all the, the 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 experiences that our young people go through you know, having to live with conditions like ADHD and ASD, um, the more that it's an it's an open and honest conversation, and, and I'm very open with the children um, about my diagnoses, I just feel that the more it becomes a normal conversation to have between adults and between adults and, and students, the more that students who have these conditions can look up to you know, very respectable members of the community who have got these really good jobs and are really well respected, um, you know, and can see that, you know, their conditions don't, you know, limit them from being or doing what they want to do. Oh, absolutely. I mean, it's interesting to hear that you have been open with your students because, I, again, I, I looked into this and I don't know if it's maybe I view it differently because I'm I'm primary. Uh, I found a blog called Adulting uh, with ADHD, which I thought was a, a great title. And uh, <laughs> one of the, the things she talks about in that article is, can you get away without opening up about your ADHD? And it's it made me think, well, you know, should I should I be more upfront with 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 my colleagues, with my head teacher, with with my students? Because mine are year five. I mean, they're not they're not babies, but at the same time, I sort of wonder. Uh, from my end of things, would would I get anything out of telling them that? I, I I don't know, and I'm still toying with that one. But how did your your students respond to that? To you telling them that you have an ADHD or have been identified as someone with ADHD? It was it was quite a, a I did sort of didn't make a big deal out of it, but I remember distinctly the conversation I had with um with a year eight boy actually, and he was he was really struggling one afternoon because his medication had worn off, um and so I asked I told him to step outside for a minute while I got the class settled and I went outside and talked spoke with him, and he said. Um, <clears throat> that uh, you know, I'm, I'm, you know, ADHD, and he was getting really upset and flustered, and he was saying that this is so frustrating. I'm never going to get anywhere. And it was then I just thought, Do you know what? He needs to know that if you have a bad day, it's not the end of the world. And so I sat with him and I and I said to him, you know, I've been, you know, identified as having ADHD, but it's not stopped me from doing the job I want to do. It's not stopped me from owning a house. It's not stopped me from being myself it's just something that is an extra challenge for us to learn how to live with it's not something that stops you from doing anything so and looking at all these students that I've taught now and in the past and I just think that you know they need to know that adults have these conditions as well and I want students with SEND or any other challenges in their lives to kind of realize that actually it's not something to be ashamed of um, and it's something that, you know, should be celebrated because, like I say, diversity is the spice of life um, and we all need, 
you know, these these differences and differences is, is not a bad thing at, at all. So I just felt with, with the, cert, the, the groups that I had, I taught, that I felt that some of them with ADHD and, and ASD and other sorts of learning um, challenges, they just needed to know that it wasn't something that people didn't like to talk about. And, you know, I even, you know, I'm very, like I'm saying, I'm very open with even the students that don't have ADHD. Like if I, I say it's, it's not an excuse, it's a reason. It's, it means that we need to overcome just a little extra hurdle in our, in our lives, but it doesn't mean it will stop us from doing anything. Oh, most definitely. And actually hearing you say that has, has, has definitely given me some, some food for thought. And I, because I haven't, I haven't kept it a secret, but at the same time, I haven't sort of, I haven't been as upfront, upfront about it as maybe I could be. And I mean, even with my own, with my own parents who um, are of the generation that, are, oh, well, you know, no, these, I mean, I love them dearly and they're wonderful people, but it's, their their approach to it is no you can't possibly have ADHD Lucy you just can't you know you just have no you can't you just don't finish your tasks and you just uh you know have have bouts of 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 laziness and I'm like and obviously for years I grew up believing that that was the the case and uh trying to sort of explain to them that actually no not the case but uh uh we're 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 breaking through gradually gradually yeah That's really, it's really good to hear you say that because I'm kind of like, do you know what? It's it's amazing to to hear that, and I find it kind of at work as well. It sort of, excuse me, <coughs> non COVID related cough, um, but uh, I just it, it's so challenging to function with the myriad of things that we as teachers need to do um, because I, you know, I'm a mum, I have to run a house. And then I also have a very demanding job and it sometimes can be incredibly overwhelming when you've got a to-do list as long as your arm at work and a to-do list as long as your arm at home and you think, oh my gosh, where do I start? Um, and my, my, my sort of house life is a series of half-finished projects that I've started and then gone, oh, shiny, and got distracted by something <laughs> else. And it's it's just it's like Dory from Finding Nemo. It's it's uh, like, it I'm like Whoop! <laughs> honestly, I yeah, I it's it's almost <laughs> like a again talking to you like this just makes me think. Oh gosh, she's talking about me. This is exactly exactly what I do. I described it to to my doctor, and he actually wrote it down. He loved the expression so much. He said, "I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down and share that." It's like a, a balloon that kind of floats off, and you always have to grab the the string. And be like, no, come back! I was doing something <laughs> so frustrating. But on that note, I was going to sort of ask you, uh, how does your ADHD kind of manifest on a on a daily basis? What what is it that you that you know now that you know? What is it that you're sort of conscious of of happening, whether at, at home or at work? Uh, the 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 work thing is is quite interesting because um my uh, my students uh, said to, one of my students actually said to me today as I was teaching them they went Miss you never stand still and I was like <laughs> oh yes I don't I think I goodness knows how many steps I rack up in a day but I I, I cannot stand still at the front of the classroom um I've always if, if if I've had to stand at the front of the classroom I kind of wobble on side to side I just it manifests in that I cannot sit or stand still. Um, and you know, my, my students have got used to me, so it does, it's not something that bothers them too much. But I remember distinctly at an interview that I went to from one of my first 
teaching interviews 10, 12 years ago. And they said to me, um, one of the things, because I didn't get the job, um, not for that reason, but one of the things they said to me was, yeah, the students were remarking that you couldn't stand still. And it was something that in the beginning I felt very self-conscious with because I was like, oh, um, and again, it didn't cross my mind. It was anything other than me being nervous. Um, but, you know, having got the diagnosis recently and then having sort of the kids say to me, you don't stand still. And, you know, I don't. I don't stand still um, or sit still. Meetings are terribly hard. Um, mm -hmm. <coughs> excuse me, because. You know, we always say to the kids, you know, they only have a certain attention span, you know, mix it up a little bit. And then, you know, we're sitting through two hours of CPD and I'm trying so hard to concentrate and focus because all, it's all really useful. We we all need to be, con you know, continuing practitioners. But I'm just sat there going, I'm trying so hard and like, my leg is tapping or my fingers are moving a pen. Um, and it's it, it, as you can say, you said earlier, people can misconstrue it as being rude. Um, you're not, you just physically cannot remain still for that length of time. Um, you know, so that that's one of the ways it manifests itself. And I think one of the other ways is my, my enthusiasm when I do get into something I really like. I kind of get very, I'm going to say over the top, that's the wrong phrase, but I do get very... Um, passionate and very sort of and I can go off on tangents a little bit sometimes when I'm teaching in regular ones that are related um <laughs> obviously um but also I find the, the the monumental list of things to do like I'll start a load of things um there's no logic to how I complete my to-do list it's just oh I fancy doing that now um so I find it very hard to prioritize the things that you know I've I've got to do I kind of just go oh look that's that sounds good I'll do that and then or I might start something and then kind of halfway finish it or I might start off the beginning of the year really organized and on it and then a month mm -hmm. later I'm just drowning in you know to-do list bits of paper and post-it notes and thinking oh god where do I start I'm glad you mentioned the post-it notes because that's the kind of <laughs> phase I'm in because I don't use a diary and I know there are, there are teachers out there who are listening to this who've gone how on earth do you cope without a diary I can't use it I can't do it I can't I've tried I bought so many beautiful ones and I think you and I talked about this before before this show just you know the amount of kind of unused planners diaries notebooks stacks of them I've even asked for them for for birthdays and Christmases in the past and people have given them to me and I've never ever used them and you know I, I don't know and I managed to hold certain things in my brain but then of course I forget things because I haven't written them down and then I feel nervous about the post-its because for me what if it blows off my desk what if it you know gets cleaned up by the cleaner it's a very unsafe method of organization so I feel I do need to address that as well uh, it's it's people what, one of my students said oh miss your desk is like it's organized chaos I went organized um oh well okay we'll just say yes we'll just say yes that it is organized chaos um you know and and it's 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 such a bizarre thing and I, I've got a lovely planner it's in my drawer and it hasn't been used um, and <laughs> or I started using it and I've done the first page beautifully. And then I just, I just decided that, I, well, I haven't decided it. It just doesn't seem to continue past a month. I think month is my brain's cutoff point for things. And then it goes, must move on to something else now. 
I mean, I just, yeah, I, I can't bear it. And also, um, my my head teacher at school is very into to everything Google and Google Calendar. But if anyone's calendar is up, you know, you can have you know multiple calendars up at the same time. I look at that and it just my brain just goes, Mm-mm, nope, nope, can't do that. I can just about have some of my bits on there to look at. But if it's kind of overlap with anyone else's calendar, I look at that and I just, I well, no, 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 no. So. <laughs> I'm very reliant, uh, and, and I think we're lucky in a way to work in the profession that we do, where you almost can uh, rely on people to be like, "Did you, you know, do you know that this is happening next week?" And you're like, "Oh yeah, yep, yeah, now I do." <laughs> it's exactly the same thing. They were like, "Oh, so you know this thing that's happening tomorrow?" I'm like, "Yeah, totally. I did. Yep, yeah, totally didn't forget mm-hmm. about that." Um, you know, and it's. It, I often say I get people catching me in the corridor, students and staff, saying, "Oh, can you?" And I'm no. Email it to me because if you tell me, I'm not going to remember. You need to email it to me explicitly with what needs to be done and when, or what's happening and when, because otherwise, I'm not going to remember. Um, you know, m- much appreciation of people that can remember someone who catches them in passing and says, can you do this, please? And then they're like, yeah, I'll get on to it. But no, if it's not in an email, there is no way I'm remembering it. No, no, I, I find the same thing. And in terms of the thing I struggle, like all the admin nonsense that goes with teaching, I think most of us struggle with in one way or another because it kind of detracts from, from the actual job that we want to be doing. But for me, the the one I really struggle with is, well, probably top of this is actual planning actual sitting down and planning lessons and and sorting all the resourcing out and I'm very fortunate in that I have a partner teacher there's two classes in year five in the school that I'm in and she is very 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 organized she's like a dream for me because she I do kind of all the sort of techie whizzy bits which even though I'm not particularly techie I put all the presentations together and she'll be the one who will sit there and say to me print your worksheets now and I will hold on to them and I will give them back to you when you need them. Because I know that if I give them to you now, or if I if I don't tell you to print them now, number one, you won't print them. And then, you know, you'll have a kind of the screaming ab dabs at the photocopier on the morning that you need them. And number two, if you do actually get around to printing them, you'll throw them somewhere in your classroom and you'll forget where you put them. So... Yeah, so she's quite a good person for me in terms of the kind of the planning side of things. And I've just wondered from your side of it, how do you cope with actually sitting down, planning your lessons and and that kind of, well, the main part of our job, I suppose? Yeah, that is quite a challenge. I think for me, what what challenges me the most is is starting something. Um, You know, like I'll sit there with, you know, my cup of tea and I'll procrastinate for 10 minutes and then... I'll come back to it and I'll sit there and I'll be like, and I'll just sit there and, and stare at the screen and nothing will really happen for a little while. Um, and then I'll have a product, really sort of mad productive 20 minutes and then I'll stop again and then I'll go. And it takes me twice as long to do things um, than I would say most other people would be able to do. And so it's it's I'm genuinely trying a lot of people are like oh you're just lazy you're distracted all the time and it's I genuinely can't help it it's 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 really difficult to for me to sit and focus for any length of time Um, and the planning side of things is is tricky especially as I'm a very a-level heavy teacher um, and the, the lots of planning that has to go into those lessons to make sure you're giving the students the right amount of depth and that you're giving the students the right amount of challenge um you know and I find those so I have to you know do it in 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 little and often chunks I can't sit for extended periods of time 
and and plan away like lots of people can you know i know people and colleagues that that will spend a sunday morning planning um and you know they're three or four hours and they're done you know i mean i've i've got a four-year-old so that makes it doubly tricky um and you know that that sort of you know core block of planning is really difficult for me to achieve so i have to do mine little and often um you know do it in bits and bobs um so yeah i find the planning side of it particularly challenging i find the uh keeping up to date with everything that's going on challenging um and the way that everybody else seems to know when things are happening and i'm like i'm pretty sure you told me but i i can't for the life of me remember so i find that, that memory is difficult and the, and the sitting down to plan the lessons um you know and and doing it all in one go very challenging as well oh yeah i mean it's it's i know when i worked in the uk we had that kind of half day uh, ppa that, that i think most teachers get and of course not, nothing ever happened in that that was hopeless for for me because it just yeah forget it but where I am now we kind of have um because we have a lot of specialist teachers almost a bit like a secondary we where, when kids go off to art I'll have an hour there when they go off to their Portuguese lessons then I'll have and it's all kind of uh all over the place which in a way is great because it's as you say it's short sharp bursts of time but then of course because I haven't planned what I'm going to do uh in any of these particular sessions uh it takes my partner teacher Wendy turning up to be like, right, we were going to look at the maths today, weren't we? I'm like, uh huh, yep, that's it, that, yep, yep, yep. <laughs> of course we were. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, she's sitting there, honestly, with um, she'll print out a copy of her timetable every week and be like, uh, right, you know, this is what I'm going to do here, here, here. Uh, if anything changes, and I'm looking at her going, I should be doing this, and <laughs> I'm not. I have no motivation to do it, even though I know I should do it because it would make my life easier and I wouldn't have to remember that actually I wanted to switch, I don't know, my maths and my English lesson. And I think that's the part, you know, she she is very patient with me, but I do think she's like, how does how does Lucy manage to kind of keep her act together? She doesn't, is the is the short answer. <laughs> but I think but I think again, this is this is another thing um, as women that we're very good at, at doing that we kind of alluded to briefly before, which is that masking, that actually giving the um, giving the illusion that we do have our act together, and uh, you know, kind of coming up with these coping strategies. And I don't know if if before you were identified as ADHD, whether you you had any coping strategies that you use, and that now you kind of think, oh, okay, that's what that was. It's it's the thing is my 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 partner also uh, has ADHD, um, oh, wow. but he, <laughs> it's a it's a what should we say a hectic household that we run. Um, I think between us we've got enough organisation that we can form one functioning human being. Um, so which is lucky for for our daughter. Um, <laughs> but he he's he was diagnosed as a child, and the interesting thing for him is that he's he copes with it far better. Um, because obviously he had that support um, whilst he was at school. He's had that lifelong, well, almost lifelong, you know, getting used to the things that work and don't work for him. Um, and, you know, he he is quite obviously ADHD. Uh, anyone that's ever met him will tell you that. Um, but I think, like you say, the masking of it has meant that, when you know i've spoken to people everyone's been i haven't come across anyone that hasn't been supportive um people are just like really you know it's not something they expected to come from me um and so i found that coping strategies is not something that i haven't found anything 
yet that seems to do the job 100%. But now that I've got the diagnosis, I can start to talk with my, you know, health and wellbeing counsellor a bit more about what works for me. Um, and, you know, I found that, you know, if I'm feeling particularly distracted, that it's, and it's just me sitting there trying to will myself to do something is just not going to work. So I often, you know, get up and leave the room for a bit, you know, give myself five minutes to stretch my legs or walk into the garden or, you know, whatever, try and get myself away and then sit back down or give myself, um, you know, by, I used to do it with chocolate. So if I was marking, I'd be like, right, in if, if 10 papers in, I can have this section of a Terry's chocolate orange. Um, <gasps> favourite. Yeah, absolutely. So I was like, right, well, this obviously works. The only problem is it's not really good for my health because the amount of marking I have to do and the amount of Terry's chocolate <laughs> oranges I have to buy, it's just, it's not great. Um, but I've often found that, you know, but those of you, those who were diagnosed with ADHD, a long, long time ago can kind of get the coping strategies that they need and want and they've got them there. Whereas, you know, those of us that have been diagnosed relatively late in life um, kind of need that sort of a little bit more time to get used to things. But I tend to chunk things up, give myself little rewards, a little bit like you would a child at school, you know, oh, you've done this, here's a, you know, merit point or whatever it is your school uses. I use Terry's Chocolate Orange um, to do that. Um, you know, and, and that's kind of, and the marking part of, of it as well is also quite hard. I find, um, oh, gosh, you yeah. know, we've just done mocks and it, there was a lot of Terry's chocolate oranges I had to buy. <laughs> oh, wow. I mean, I, I totally, totally respect your choice of chocolate. It's the only thing I ever <laughs> asked for at Christmas. Uh, and honestly, I, um, the fact that the only place I can get them out here in Portugal is a, um, is a great British store, but they charge about four euros a pop for them. So I'm not, not willing to part with that much for them, but uh, yes, the, the marking side as, as well. Um, I certainly have found that I, uh, yeah, I, I struggle massively with it too. And of course in, in primary uh, we've got the multiple subjects and it's kind of got to a point where I, there are certain things, and I will say this without any guilt whatsoever, there are certain things that just get a stamp. And I and I know teachers feel, some teachers are pro-stamp, some are, some are, some are not. Um, and I will literally uh, just stamp it just to show that I've, I've looked at it because I can't, the thought of kind of detailed feedback of that for, for, for all of it, um, is just beyond comprehension to me. I do a lot of uh, in-lesson as, as well, a lot of in-lesson marking. I certainly will try and either go round or if it's something, uh, you know, I mean, math is a little bit tricky because people do different different things because it's differentiated. But if they've done a kind of a, a similar task, then I absolutely do try and with year fives to get them to, to market themselves, things like that uh, that just make it easier so I don't have to be confronted. Because I think even without ADHD, being confronted with piles of books is just so, ugh. I often find that, you know, that, um, that uh, I hate to use the word meme, if that's what it is, meme or meme or whatever. And it's just got a man with a, a piece of paper on his back that says, please do not talk to me. I have no self-control. I will be distracted for two hours. And, and I find that that is an accurate representation. You know, if anyone comes and speaks to me while I'm trying to do something, it's like, well, I'm obviously not getting my work done now. Um, so I often find I take myself off onto a space 
where I just sit in a room and uh, like a do not disturb uh, like sign. Just just don't talk to me. I'm not being antisocial. Just please leave me alone um, because my brain is already looking for things to distract me. Um, and I don't need actual physical distractions from people. Um, you know, so it's the, the, the working from home during the pandemic was oh. absolutely horrendous. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the fact I've got to do, uh, do another week of it in January, I'm already beside myself because I just, yeah. I mean, I think I was worse than the kids at that point because I just, I, oh. and we weren't even teaching like a, a full timetable at that point. We are actually moving to a full timetable. I mean, God knows what, what how I'm going to cope with that. Um, uh, George Bream has just messaged in. So I'm just going to break off for a second who uh, is a friend of the show. She was actually my very first guest uh, says that she needs that on a t-shirt I think she's referring to the to, do not distract me maybe there's um a side hustle in it for for us there Sarah to, to produce t-shirts for for uh, women with ADHD that say you know do not disturb or please don't distract me yeah absolutely I I would I would have one in a heartbeat <laughs> And also maybe we shouldn't suggest these kind of creative uh, outlets or things like that because it'll become the next thing that we become obsessed with. And then three months later, we will be like, we never had this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> but it is, I mean, I do, yeah, the the, the, the admin side of it is a, is a struggle. And yeah, the online teaching, um, and again, I don't know kind of what you, how you coped with it. But for me, it was a lot of um, short, short bursts. The marking towards the end, and again, sort of confession time here. By the end of it, I, I, I don't think I was really marking anything at all. I just, I just couldn't, could not face it. The thought of sitting still, I, and I had to go for walks daily, uh, quite long walks, because I just, yeah, I was going absolutely bananas. It was, it was really difficult. And the, the, the fact, the first lockdown, I had my daughter um, for a good proportion of it. And she what she was coming up to three at the time. And it was, yeah, it was, it was difficult when you've got you know ADHD and you've got to do two things at the same time so parent and teach and I was like I don't I don't know what to do um so most of the time I taught my live lessons with my daughter sitting on my lap um you know chiming in some real pearls of wisdom as she does um (laughs) you know and you're just like please stop um and that was you know and then I couldn't it was even worse stopping myself from going off on tangents when it's online because the second lockdown that we had in the UK the kids didn't talk they they I, they muted their mics I told them to mute their mics so that <coughs> I didn't hear all background noise but then I found myself that they wouldn't answer um and they would only answer in the chat on on the the the, the, the platform that we were using so because I was just in a room by myself talking to myself um, you know, one of them sent me an email saying, Miss, is this your inner monologue? And I was like, it feels a lot like that. It feels a lot like that, you know. And I'm like, I am trying to teach, but I was kind of going, I was saying that I could hear myself and I'm going, stop it. Um, because I'm going, oh, yeah. Oh, and then the other day that I saw this on the news and blah, 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 blah. And the kids were like, are you okay? I'm like, yeah, I'm fine. I just, I'm, I'm trying to fill the silence because obviously in the classroom, they'd pipe up and they'd say, you know, X, Y, Z and whatever, answer questions and things. Whereas, you know, I was, they were silent. <laughs> I'm just like, can I, I'll tell you what, I'll fill the silence with my own voice. Um, and so there isn't that awkward silence. 
Oh yeah, I, and I think that I I was I was the same. And even um, in my origami club this afternoon, um, I run it uh, after school for year five and six, and it's got the, some of the quietest girls in the school in it. And they'll just sit like I'll I'll teach them how to do something, and they will quite happily sit there for half an hour in silence, kind of creating different bits and pieces out of out of the origami paper I've given them. And I'll and I'll kind of try and strike up a conversation, and they're they're not interested. They kind of and I'm sitting there going, and I'll sort of start talking about oh you know. Isn't it? Isn't isn't the weather been nice recently? And oh, you know, I, I did this today. And oh, you know, the, my maths lesson was really difficult, um, and uh, uh, really difficult. So, and they're just sitting there going, looking at me, just say, "Can you just, just, shh, just we're trying to we're trying to concentrate on a, on um, you know, on what we're doing here, and you're just kind of rabbiting away." Because yeah, I find silence really awkward. But then on the flip side to that, and again, I don't know if you experience this, if my classroom is too noisy or I've got one kid in one end, one kid in the other end, other end, it just sends me into, I cannot cope with, and bless my my class, they're getting very good at, I think, realising that Miss, Miss, Miss Newberger can only, at any given point, talk to one of you and have one of you in her ear because, uh, yeah, if, if one of you is trying to do something else or tell something else, I can't can't deal with it. Yeah, I think the the the, the whole like the silence thing, it, it, I can't stand it. So when they do whole class assessments, and the last thing I need to hear is my own brain, um, you know, and and the thoughts that are going through my head, a little bit like you know, the thoughts in my brain are kind of like, and the analogy I, I like to use is that scene from Harry Potter where all the letters come through the fireplace, um, you know, and for me each letter contains a thought. Um, and that's what my brain is like all the time. So a silent classroom is really difficult for me. And I have to really stop myself from voicing all these thoughts that are swimming around in my head. Um, and it's it's particularly an issue in sixth form where I've got some of the, the brightest, most loveliest students. And when I give them something to do, they will sit and do it in silence because they're that focused. And I'm sat there going, I can't deal with this. I need to say something, but I can't because they're concentrating. And uh, Mark Enzer did a really good piece for the TES recently about, you know, silencing classrooms and, you know, the, the concentration and things like that. So I'm, I'm well aware of how good focusing class is. And I'm just like, I can't, I can't deal with this, but I know they're working. Why do I need to talk to them? Um, so I find the silence aspect very, very difficult. I don't stop talking um you know and that's something that my adhd manifests in as well i'm constantly talking i constantly have to say something um mm -hmm. and it drives people around me um you know and also the, what you were saying about too many people talking to you at the same time that's also quite hard and it's like no 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 if you've got something to me don't all don't all come at me i i need an individual to say and finish what they want to say and then i can move on um, you know, but the silence is much more difficult for me um, mm -hmm. because, like I said, I've got all these thoughts in running through my head and I'm like, I need to say all of them at once. Yeah, and uh, certainly when you're, I mean, when I, I find when I'm having conversations, I'll have what I think is a brilliant idea come into my head, but then I'm so terrified I'm going to forget it that it will just come out there and then there'll be someone that bless them will be mid-flow whether it's a kid or an adult doesn't really matter um and it'll just come out of my mouth and suddenly think oh you did it again <laughs> it's it i find i feel terrible i feel terribly rude but i can't stop things coming out of my mouth like even if i don't want to interrupt someone 
um, I just have to say it. I, my brain just goes, right, say that now. Um, and it doesn't matter if there's two or three people talking. And I'm just like, I'm so sorry. And it's, it's, it's a bit like, I just have to do it. I'm compelled to say something. And it's not like I'm being rude. I just, you know, I find it really hard to take that step back and just allow someone to finish saying, if I've got something I want to say and someone is still talking, I'm like, oh God, I need to say it now. Mm. it's yeah it's uh and uh, I do find that you know that that impulse control because certainly again when I spoke to my the doctor who identified or diagnosed me he said you know it's it's kind of that battle in your brain because on the one hand you know there are occasions where you are quite obsessive where the hyper focus kicks in and then on the other hand you know you're also really impulsive so you've got these two almost polar traits fighting with each other on a near constant level where and, and you know it's hard to know which one's going to come out at, at any point and I don't know if, if you find that as well that it's kind of it's either I am focused and I'm concentrated on something or I'm just all over the show and I'm being kind of a bit sort of reckless a bit kind of uh, impulsive or you know talking 10 to the dozen like I am now <laughs> you know it's it's never I always find it's one or the other yeah and I just it, it's 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 difficult to to like it comes about when I've got like my impulse control like when I've got something I really want to say um there are times where I can sit perfectly quietly although I wouldn't say that my attention is focused on what it should be because like I say the Harry Potter letters are swimming through my brain and I'm like <laughs> going through, oh, this, that, well, what's, what am I having for tea? Oh, I wonder what's happening here. Oh, do you remember that scene from Lord of the Rings where this happened? Um, and and that's all going on. But then when I want someone to say something, it just, I just, it has to come out. I have to say it. And whether anyone's listening or not, it doesn't matter. And once I've said it, I feel so much better. <laughs> oh, it's, it's all over the show. George, uh, George again has just said, uh, I really wish it wasn't uh, her wee one's bedtime because she really wants to call in and join in this natter. And she's feeling all this, uh, all this as well, because I think, um, I think I remember sort of chatting to, to George and she was uh, thinking about uh, going to, to talk to a talk to a GP or something like that about maybe a possible diagnosis. So I think this is resonating quite heavily with her. On a different note, I just wanted to come back to another comment uh, from from Laura. Sorry, Laura, we uh, I'm, I'm not ignoring you. I did see your comment. Um, and uh, this, I think, uh, links to kind of what we were saying at, at the beginning of the chat. Uh, she said she was going to do a PGCE this year, but got diagnosed with uh, BPD. Uh, so I'm worried that this means I can never be a teacher um, or now maybe I don't want to because of the stresses of the job with mental health on top of it. Uh, I really struggled in the last school I worked in. I'm not sure if it's because of mental health or, it, or because it was a boarding school or COVID. I just don't know. I mean, uh, I don't know what, what your take uh, on that is, uh, Sarah, but uh, from from my side. Uh, oh, uh, actually, Laura uh, wants to come in quick. Oh, no, she's uh, she's disappeared again. But uh, just I don't know what your, what your take on that comment is, Sarah. I think that there are a lot of schools out there who are incredibly supportive um, and who will make sure that you, you know, whatever conditions you're living with, whether they are mental or physical, will go, will bend over backwards to support you. So I would never say that any condition that you're diagnosed with, you know, BPD included, you should put, be put off the, 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 the job. Um, you know, our we've got some some trainees at our school 
Um, and I don't know whether it's because of my diagnoses, you know, and, and, you know, whether I'm hyper aware of, you know, things like that. But, you know, our school it really does support new members of staff and ensuring that it's the it, they feel that they can do their job no matter who they are. Um, so I would never say that it put you off the career. All I will say is make sure that if you don't feel that the school or training provider that you're with is supporting you adequately, that you challenge them about it. Because most of the time it's not done out of malice. It's that it's done out of perhaps their policies are out of date or, you know, perhaps they don't quite understand the nuances of, of your condition and how it affects you. Because even though you might be diagnosed with BPD or ADHD or whatever, it affects everyone differently. And it, it, it just might mean that they need to tailor their support a bit for you. So I would always challenge um, schools uh, and, and institutions in general who aren't supporting their staff adequately. And again, it, like I said, it's never done out of malice. It's just done because it's not perhaps the, the way it affects you is not well understood. But, uh, you know, speaking, you know, personally, I, I don't feel that that my diagnosis is stopping me from doing my job. It just presents different challenges that I've learned to live with and, 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 and cope with. But certainly make sure that, you know, that your training provider or your school is supporting you adequately. But I would say most of them do. Oh, brilliant. And I've actually managed to get Laura on to, to, uh, to speak to us uh, in person. So, Laura, I don't know if you can hear me. Yeah, I can hear you. Can you oh, hear me? You. I can. And uh, I... I, I... I, I, sorry, my my voice seems to have left it. I was just going to say, I, uh, were you listening to to Sarah's response there? I hope that uh, was uh, of some comfort to you because it certainly was very much along the lines of what of what I would have said as well. Yeah, it's comforting. I think it's it's really difficult because obviously a boarding school is a very different environment. There are diff there isn't an off switch particularly because I was a resident member of staff, so I lived there. Um, I just found that perhaps my the people that I worked with weren't the most understanding of it, and it was sort of like, suck it up and get on with it. Like, you know, it was a bit of a not great, and their HR was not great in supporting, because I said, these are the adjustments that I need, and they sort of just didn't do anything. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, I've, yeah, I've thought, no, yeah. I was going to say, so I was going to do my PGCE this year, but it's that thing of like having no coping strategies for a new mental health diagnosis that I've not had before. Just felt I like think much. It's, it's hard. I mean, I, uh, I would say that I think making um, any institution that you are planning to to do a degree or do a qualification through, making them aware um, of of what you're going through and what you've been diagnosed with, I think is is very important so that they are able to support you because people are not unfortunately are not telepathic and uh, Sarah, I don't know if you agree with this, but uh, they the more they know, I feel the more they are able to put those support uh, mechanisms in place for you. I, I would absolutely say that. And I I also feel, you know, that sometimes be well, being part of a union um, is a must and knowing who your union rep is in the school, because if the institution that you're working uh, with does not support you adequately, there might be some union support that you can 
uh, or advice that you can seek, you know, legislative, legis- oh, I can't even say that word, you know what I mean. Um, <laughs> Um, Laughing with you, Sarah, not at you. Uh, that's yeah, yeah legislative. I'm not even going to try. So that word, no, um, if there's <laughs> if there's requirements that they they need to be doing, and and you aren't sure what you are legally entitled to, um, it's well worth getting to know your union rep and just saying to them, what are they? What is my uh, institution obliged to provide for me? Um, and, and if they're not doing it, to kind of have that conversation with HR, um, you know, and just say to them, look, I'm entitled to this. H- how can we go about getting this in place? Um, because there are certain that they have to look after their staff. Um, you know, so I mean, I don't I've never worked in the private sector, so I can't say for sure how it would work for, for that. But I would, yeah, try and, you know, get in touch with your union rep and just say what is it that the my employer has to provide for me and and just make sure that they're doing it interestingly enough this um this wasn't the private sector this was um a state boarding school so it was difficult uh yeah but also, Laura, as well, I think it is possible that that's just not the right environment for you, that, yeah. whether it's that particular school or that particular setup. Because if you're there the whole time, you know, you're kind of living, breathing and quite literally sleeping it as well. So it, it's possible. And again, this is just thoughts that are coming into my my brain that maybe a, a different environment, a different um, a different school would uh would be better suited to to you and it's it's well worth definitely um even before you apply for pgce um i mean obviously covid times things are a little bit trickier but trying to go into different schools see how they're working see what they're like because then you'll know what you like and you'll learn what you think is 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 right for you and you know as much as uh you know that you're selling yourself to them when the time comes for for teaching jobs it is the other way around as well and you you know fairly early on from walking into a school whether it's uh the right space for you so uh shop around would be certainly a a tip that i would send your way as well yeah i'm currently just applying for sort of like teaching assistant jobs at the moment just to sort of get a feel but also make sure that teaching is right for me because I don't know it sounds silly but did either of you not even mental health wise but did either of you have any sort of doubts about always teaching for me or is this because obviously the rate now of teachers like is it one in five won't make it past the first five years you know Uh, have a concern like the rate of people dropping out of teaching yeah I mean there's I mean again and I'm sure Sarah will sort of say the same thing there's there's there is always that and that you know that statistic has been there for a long 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 time I mean it's it's not it's not new which would also suggest you know why hasn't hasn't things been done I would say that you know I have had so, and I could do you know show after show about sort of things that have kind of gone on in my career that are not you know that are not great but equally, I think that there are enough of us who do make it work, who do find schools that are supportive, who do find environments that 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 work. And uh, again, I think there's also a lot to be said. Uh, and certainly for me, from a confidence point of view, there is a lot to be said for supply teaching. 
a lot to be said. That for me, because you you kind of you're getting that teaching experience without all the nonsense that goes with it. And it taught me to think on my feet. It taught me to kind of walk into classrooms where I didn't have a clue what's going on and just get on with it. But then, of course, you can leave at three thirty, four o'clock because you you don't have to do any of the rest of it. So if that if maybe as a kind of inroad, that could be something that you could look at. And you can, I believe, still do at least you could when I trained you your NQT or ECT year. Uh, on supply as well. Oh yeah, I, I would. I would also second the the supply uh, teaching um, uh, argument there because I, I, my early career, um, I unfortunately worked uh, where I got my NQT status. The um, the school I was in was not as supportive as previous schools had, were, and I got my NQT status, and I actually left the profession for a year to kind of rethink about whether it was for me. And when I wanted to go back into teaching, I went in as a supply teacher for a term. Um, and then I like doing day to day, week to week supply. And then in the January, I got some long term supply at a school that I ended up getting a permanent contract with. And I stayed there for about five, six years um, because it was that getting my confidence back, getting my you know, um, my ability to stand in front of students, you know, I was teaching all sorts of topics, subjects, drama, which for someone with ADHD was interesting, um, <laughs> <laughs> to say the least. Um, but I was able to just kind of just get, just get the feel for teaching and learning again, getting the feel for interacting with children again. Um, and then when I got this long-term supply contract, you know, I fell in love with the school. I fell in love with, you know, the, the area and that's, and then they offered me a permanent contract and that's why I stayed. So I would, I, and, and you absolutely, you do make a difference. And even if you come home and you feel absolutely rubbish, cause you've had one of those days, there will be one moment in your day that you will go, actually, I did make a difference to that student's, you know, that student's life. Um, you know, so I would thoroughly recommend dipping your toe into supply teaching to help get your confidence. Yeah, I think that's it. I've really, it sounds silly, I've really lost confidence because of um, my last school. Like it's and been difficult, like that and like a mental health, like trying to manage that has been really difficult as well. But it did just make me lose confidence in teaching, just be like, well, maybe it isn't for me then if I can't handle this. But equally like COVID's made it more difficult, I think. I don't know if oh, anyone yeah. else has found that. <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, uh, I, I don't know if you heard us talking about the fact that both of us with online teaching and certainly uh, uh, as two two teachers identified uh, as having ADHD, that that side of it, of course, was a was was a struggle. It was 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 awful. But it's I don't believe that's going to be forever. I do believe that, um, you know, it's. Uh, See, I've lost my train of thought. This is what happens. Um, I do, be <laughs> I do believe that you know you can, you can. I can't. I've lost it. It's gone. What was I talking about? I don't even know. See, it's gone. It's completely left my brain. Um, I, I mean, yes, I can't I even help you there. <laughs> no, you've gone as well. Oh my gosh, Sarah, I was going to rely on you. Oh, see, this is oh, honestly. But um, I think that 
with with teaching there are there are highs there are lows wherever you go there is not a single teacher you will meet who's had and if i if you do meet them then they're probably i tell you they were lying uh, that has had a kind of you know skippy happy clappy career it's it's not that kind of profession it you know there are it is the rough with the smooth it is the kind of there are the highs and the lows but i do absolutely stick by uh, the statement that in the right school and uh, with the right support, there is no reason why you couldn't couldn't do it. We've we've you know both Sarah and I are I think testament to that um, that you know with a with a new kind of neurodivergent approach to life, we've we've uh, managed to sustain our careers thus far. Um, and I'm sure there are other people out there who would absolutely tell you the same thing. I'd also encourage you towards. Um, Edu Twitter, speak to, uh, there are so many teachers at all stages in their career on there who uh, are just brilliant people who will uh, offer advice, tips, etc. Um, and also, um, I should just say that um, Libby, uh, who is a fellow Teacher Talk Radio host who is on after me, her show after this, uh, I do normally give her, give her a plug, she's very excited already, she's talking to the Teacher Empowerment Project, where, which is all about getting your confidence back, um, they're an organization that specialize in boosting teachers in their career, um, both teachers who are still in the profession and who are thinking of leaving the profession. So, Laura, if you want to have a listen into that, I thoroughly, thoroughly recommend that you do. That sounds so good. And also, though, speaking of edgy Twitter, I might just plug my own just because not mine. Um, I was lucky enough to work in the same uh, place as the hectic teacher. Okay. Um, so if anybody knows that teacher yeah I do for her (laughs) yeah that's where I work but that's the that's what I found surprising is the difference because I'm aware that and I'm not I don't want to say too much but I'm aware that they got a lot of support um and I didn't but I don't know whether it's just because I wasn't qualified or just the role that I had was different yeah. I mean, there could be many reasons, Laura. And, you know, I know it's easy for us to sit here and say, don't dwell on it um, and find a way to move forward. I think, I mean, it obviously sounds like you had a, a very, very tough time. But, you know, there are ways and means to to uh, to make things better and to, to, to move forward with it. And, yeah, I would urge you to, to do your research, to use the resources around you. Use us as well, you know, um, You'll find my my Twitter link um, is not on anywhere near here. No, but uh, it's I think no, you know mine because it's on Twitter already and we've connected already. But it's at Lucy New, which is L U C E N E U, and also follow Teachers Talk Radio as well. Um, another shameless plug there because there are always things uh, on there as well. And as I mentioned at the start of the show, always hosts that are talking about a variety of things and their experiences. And it it's still to this day. I mean, I'm only six years into my career, but but um, there are still shows that I listen to where I think, gosh, I feel better after that if I'm having a, a down day. So, uh, yes, uh, I would urge you if you to, to do try and stick with it. And, uh, yes, utilise the support around you for sure. Thank you so much. Oh, no problem. And, uh, yeah, I'll hopefully hear from you soon. And maybe at some point we'll have you as a, as a proper, proper guest. <laughs> maybe. All right, Laura. We'll... we'll uh, yeah, we'll we'll let you go. Have a have a lovely rest of the evening. Um, Sarah, back to back to us. Um, well, see, I've gone. I think I think the fact that both of our brains are kind of wandering off is probably means it's 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 a hint that we should wrap this up. <laughs> <laughs> 
No, honestly, um, it has been an absolute privilege to to talk to you this evening. And thank you so much for coming on and for talking so openly, sharing your experiences, um, really actually uh, assisting me in uh, feeling better and, and more confident about uh, this recent diagnosis. And uh, it's, yeah, it's been, it's been great, great fun. Thank you. I've had a really, really, I was very nervous about this, obviously, initially, because I thought, oh, God, I don't know if I'm made for radio, but um, I'm really pleased that <laughs> <laughs> it's because I don't know how someone with ADHD does radio. So props to you, honestly. Um, but um, I just want to just 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 before I sort of I've go, but anyone out there that feels like they're struggling or they feel like um, they, they can't cope with something, I would strongly urge you to talk to someone um, you know, speak with somebody at your school who you trust or somebody outside of your school who you trust. But, you know, we, we're all on, you know, doing the same thing for the same reasons and we're all very supportive of one another. Um, and I found it in the beginning very difficult to speak with anybody about it. It was a little bit of, I felt ashamed. I felt like nobody would, you know, take me seriously, you know, um, but people do and they will. Um, and if anyone, you know, needs to reach out and speak to somebody, um, you know, you're welcome to have a, a follow me on Twitter, uh, Mrs. Underscore C underscore Geog, uh, very original. Um, but if you want to just just reach out and have a chat, you know, I'm absolutely here for you. Um, but I would m please do talk to people uh, and don't keep things to yourself um, you know, because we can solve all of these these issues um, or work towards so solving these issues. I mean, I, I have absolutely nothing to add to that. I think that was uh, beautifully, beautifully put. And I, and I wholeheartedly, wholeheartedly agree with that. And thank you also for sharing your, your information as well. You, you beat me to it. So I, I appreciate that uh, as, Sorry. <laughs> as well. No, 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 no. I absolutely know because I probably would have forgotten about it as well. The one question I do have to ask you, because I always forget to ask my guests this, is what are you having for dinner? Uh, I'm having a vegan Whopper from Burger King. <laughs> I, I get hey I'm having a takeaway I don't judge so fantastic <laughs> uh, my my husband just sent me a text message that just said vegan burger question mark and I was like he he, he gets it he gets it Oh, bless him. And to say uh, you definitely are made for radio. You have been brilliant and uh, I would absolutely have you back again. So uh, if we continue this chat or we pick it up another time or if there's any other subject you want to come on and chat about, I would gladly have you back, as I'm sure any of the other hosts who are listening in uh, would gladly have you as well. Oh, fabulous. I'd, I'd love to do this again sometime. Thank you very much for having me. Well, thank you again, and uh, it has been—it's been brilliant. So, yeah, I will—I will let you go and enjoy your your vegan burger. <laughs> thank you very much. Take care. Not a problem. Bye bye. Bye. <laughs> okay. Well, all that remains for me to say, I think—I think we uh, concluded quite beautifully there. I—I I think that uh, my brain has definitely uh, exited the building uh, this evening so I'm not going to go on for much longer uh, just a reminder once again um, and yes Libby I'm going to plug you again sorry um, she is on after me uh, talking to the Teacher Empowerment Project about how they support teachers with careers career alternatives and I'm sure they're going to be talking about a whole host of other things um, I unfortunately oh, I say unfortunately I am off to, to Christmas quiz otherwise I would be tuning in but I will definitely be, be catching up with that uh, as well but uh, yeah, so uh, that's it for today. It's been a pleasure as always. I hope that uh, those of any of you listening 
thinking, oh, maybe that could be me, or oh, I really identify with uh, Lucy and Sarah. Maybe I'm just going to, to do a bit more research. I'd also uh, urge you to, um, I will definitely put the articles that I briefly mentioned in my show notes, but also Instagram, and I know I shouldn't plug Instagram because it's not the greatest a lot of the time, but if you search the hashtag ADHD, the amount of funny uh, memes and uh, sort of little videos and bits and pieces are also absolutely fantastic. And again, have gone a long way to help me feel better about being identified as neurodivergent. And it's definitely something uh, I feel even more so now than when I was uh, diagnosed, even more uh, like I should celebrate it. So um, I'm off to go and yeah, celebrate uh, myself and Sarah and everybody else with with neurodiversities. Uh, but also, uh, you should all celebrate yourselves as well. It has been a rough, rough year, uh, once again, and we deserve a bit of fun. So go and enjoy yourselves. And I will see you again next week. You've been listening to Teachers Talk Radio. Tune in live and listen back at ttradio.org. We look forward to hearing from you next time on Teachers Talk Radio.